Hi, Gauri here. We've collected the best insights from the first 20 Knowledge Base Ninjas episodes into a clear and concise ebook. Simply send a blank email to ninja at bcast.email. That's ninja at bcast.email and it will be sent right back to you. Thank you. Welcome to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Where Gauri Ramkumar of Document 360 finds the best SaaS self-service knowledge bases in the world and then interviews their creators. Let's get started with today's episode. Good day everyone. Our guest today is Gavin Austin, principal technical writer at Salesforce, customer success platform. So welcome Kevin to Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. So how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a little chilly here in Denver, Colorado. It's a little different than what I was used to in San Francisco, but it's a nice change of color. Fantastic. So with that uh, cold weather outside, let's let's have a quick start to our podcast today then. So uh, just to bring everything into context uh, Gavin please help us understand a bit more about your nature of business and uh, how is documentation uh, important to you just a very quick introduction So I am a principal technical writer at Salesforce and what that means is I lead a team of other technical writers to make sure that we create a variety of content that increases customer adoption of Salesforce and reduces customer attrition of Salesforce and the forms of content that we create can be anything from API guides to online help to release notes to release uh to uh, an e-learning platform called Trailhead where people can leisurely learn about a variety of features at Salesforce on their own time and our whole goal is to make sure that there's a unified voice and tone as well as customer experience no matter where the customer may need to go in order to solve their business problem or learn more about how they can solve other business problems with Salesforce. The nature of my business is like being an embedded journalist on software development teams. I as well as the others on my team frequently attend daily meetings with developers as well as product managers and program managers and we ask the tough questions just like a journalist to better understand exactly how these features work and why they should work a certain way. and often our influence helps change the course of how features get designed or how they work because we're like an ad hoc QA person on these teams uh-huh. often the developers and the product managers and the program managers you could say are too smart for their own good and they're not always able to see some of these features from a 10,000 foot view which is what me and the others on my team need to impart to customers and potential customers so that they'll use our product successfully Fantastic. So just help me understand how did you initially go into documentation? Is this something you wanted to write to do right from the beginning? It was in fact uh, I was studying uh, literature as well as philosophy at a university in California and there was a time where one of my relatives who was a journalist an aunt of mine was a journalist and she was very successful and she had pieces published in places like National Geographic and elsewhere. and she imparted to me that once she became a technical writer she did so because she wanted to have a higher quality of life 
and actually make a little bit more money than she was as a journalist. And she Mm -hmm. told me that technical writing was a a phenomenal job because she essentially got paid to learn every day. She would go to these software development teams and ask them a variety of questions to understand this technology. And she, in turn, would learn about the technology herself, which would broaden her education. And then she would write about what she would learn and that was very enjoyable to her. And at the time that I was at uh, the University of California at Santa Barbara, they offered a, a minor in professional technical writing. And so I pursued that, which I thought was a wonderful juxtaposition to the literature and philosophy that I was learning because I was getting hard skills in this minor. We would learn all kinds of technologies that I don't think we use anymore in order to write documentation, such as WordPerfect and uh, what else were we using? We were doing very early versions, I think, of mm-hmm. uh, Adobe Photoshop, if that was even uh, named that at that time, as well as learning Unix and things of that nature and grammar. Fantastic. So how long have you been doing documentation as your uh, profession, Kevin? Uh, more than 20 years. Wow. <laughs> yep. That's quite a lot, right? Super. Uh, so what do you think is uh, is your documentation process? And you did briefly uh, touch base on that point. Who do you normally get involved? So what's your documentation process? The first would be to look for any kind of documents that may be floating around out there for many different people in the organization about what these features and products are supposed to do. And that can be anything from a slide deck to a couple of uh, tip sheets or notes that are even napkins that might have drawings on them that are put together Mm -hmm. by the people that are trying to figure this technology out. And the idea would be to immerse myself in the existing content. And then the second stage would be to have a list of questions that I would ask the team uh, in regards to the content that I've read and to get the answers to those questions, as well as have some kind of test environment where if something is being built, that I can actually use it and try to see how it should function and how it needs to work. And uh, as well as in tandem with that process, I'd be working very closely with people in usability and uh, UX and design to see what kind of prototypes and wireframes that they're putting together. And I would immerse myself into those wireframes and perhaps illustrations that they have in order to see what kind of text is uh, they're proposing should be on screen. And then that's where I also come in and give proposals about what I think the text should be to help guide people to use these features successfully. And then once I immerse myself in all that content, I take a step back and think about the different forms of content that we need to deliver, such as release notes, which is uh, interestingly enough, Salesforce's most widely read document every three months when we have a product release. That document lists the high level changes in Salesforce, everything from new features to feature updates to even bug fixes. And I try to write as concisely and clearly as possible what those changes and updates and new features are so that people can see a snapshot of that in the release notes. And while I'm working on release notes, I also think about what kind of online help may be necessary. We don't necessarily, on my team, write a lot of knowledge-based content. That's Mm -hmm. usually reserved for people that are in customer support, but my team does work closely with customer support. And there's times when we would need to write knowledge-based articles if they don't fit into our content strategy. So for example, the first line of defense is release notes, which lists every change. The second line of defense could be online help, which can also be used as marketing collateral where people can learn the story of the feature and how to troubleshoot something. Mm -hmm. Then the uh, third, or I should say fourth, would be uh, Salesforce Trailhead, which is uh, 
online learning modules where people can learn at their own pace, perhaps a little bit more about the feature and not only see screenshots, but have tests and quizzes they can take to help them better learn what these features are about, the story of the feature, how to set them up, things of that nature. And uh, let's see what else. Also, UI text, of course, which is very important. We try to make sure that the UI text on these features, that when people are on screen, that they have in-app assistance and interactive content that can answer their questions there so that they don't have to look at these other forms of content. Because let's be real, who really wants to leave an application and then go look at some content to solve their problems? So we try to do our best to make sure everything's on screen to troubleshoot uh, any issues that arise, uh, kind of preemptively give them the content they need so that they don't have to go elsewhere and not like their experience. Absolutely. Uh, just out of curiosity, uh, how big is your audience? Because I'm, I'm sure everybody knows what's what's the Salesforce tool and uh, who are the audience. But just out of curiosity, sure. yeah, how, how many people do you think uh, consumes your documentation? We know, you're right, we know that we have millions of users. And so when I look at the metrics for what's consumed, it's actually, it's it's absolutely astonishing because I, in my early days of my career, worked in book publishing briefly. And if you could move 5,000 units of a book, that was considered pretty good. And Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're talking about tens of thousands of people, if not millions reading some of this content that we produce from my team. So I would say that it's, it's very successful in that people read it. And we hear that they enjoy reading it. They like the experience of learning from it. Um, trying to also think about, uh, for those of you who don't know what Salesforce is, we are, I believe, the world's fourth largest software company. And we create what's called customer relationship management applications that does everything to help market, uh, sell, and support customers along their customer journey with whatever your industry is, whatever vertical you're in. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sure everybody will know. So uh, given this vast uh, variety of uh, consumers to your documentation, what are the important factors you consider when creating documentation? Currently, we're focused on um, writing, uh, you could say, as little content as possible because we found that as we've been successful over the years, we used to write about every edge case, every best practice, things of that nature. And there was just an ocean of content for customers to have to navigate through. And what we wanted to do is really minimize the content. Uh, that doesn't mean reduce its usefulness, but really focus on kind of the core aspects of what people need to do to do their jobs with Salesforce. So we've streamlined the amount of content that we're creating, we're more strategic about where we're placing content. We're thinking more uh, practically about where the customer is at on screen versus writing content where they have to leave the application to find answers to their questions. And I think we're thinking as an industry, and um, Gary, you may be doing this as well, is that with the fourth industrial revolution and digital transformation, our roles as kind of post-sales writers are changing. That world of pre-sales, which you could say is marketing, is really meshing with post-sales, which would be technical support writing. And people like us, I think, are thinking more about how we can include some of that um, marketing story, uh, how to cultivate customers and prospects more within all the content that we create whether it's in-app interactive content or whether it's something like online help. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, I I absolutely agree with you, uh, Gavin, on the on those points. Yes, absolutely. And um, so uh, I'm sure uh, customer service or success strategy is your key um, key point here. So so in this in this customer service or success strategy, what what role do you think documentation have in your organization? It's definitely to prevent customer cases or tickets. It's to make sure that if a customer is having some kind of confusion or doesn't understand how to do something with the application, that they can quickly find that information of how to accomplish a task. It's also to provide conceptual information, which could include a little bit of marketing, or it could include the story of what this feature is and why one should use it, as well as reference material. So if there's a developer who needs to learn about what APIs are available and how to integrate Salesforce with other systems that they have reference material in which they can quickly jump in and out and find what those APIs are and what they do. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, we're to assist with, you could say, the customer experience. It's all about customer experience, making sure that if they do have a pain point, that that pain point can be resolved as quickly as possible so there's no hiccup in their enjoyment of using our applications. Absolutely. And um, do you think it's possible to determine a direct ROI from an investment in your knowledge base? There is. I, I can't speak towards our knowledge base, but if one looks at our online help as being our knowledge base, which I think one could make that argument, that there definitely is. We have a figure on our team, and I should mention that my team is called the content experience team because we see content as being as integral to the product as user experience. So we do have a figure which I can't share with the audience. Unfortunately, I'd love to because it's quite astonishing and dramatic, but it is in the tens of millions of dollars of how we reduce support costs for sales for us. So there is a correlation with our metrics of customers being able to solve their own problems versus calling customer support, which, as you know, can be very costly. I think a a Mm -hmm. phone call to a support center can range everywhere from a business from $2 to $10 a call or something along those lines. And we provide quality content so that a customer doesn't have to make those phone calls and can solve their problems themselves. And the figure that we have of the ROI on our online help and release notes is, is really quite dramatic. Absolutely. Yeah. And also the amount of time uh, customers need to wait when they come to a support uh, also could be dramatically reduced, right? And overall, it gives a very pleasant experience from a customer's perspective to use um, your tool. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Great, great. So how often do you update your documentation, Kevin? We do have weekly releases. So if necessary, we can release updates every week. We tend to follow, though, a three-month cadence as far as new features and feature updates go, though it's pretty well established with our customers that we have a feature release every three months with the seasons and that customers know when we're going to have a feature release, when we're going to have updates to Salesforce, and they look forward to that. And the nice thing about that is since our release schedule and cadence doesn't change the people on my team can have a nice uh, quality of life themselves by making (laughs) vacation plans and holiday plans and things that won't change. And if there is some kind of issue with content, well, we can always go to the weekly release cycle if necessary. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I think we uh, uh, lightly touched based on the topic. Do you have a very structured process around the approval review of your documentation, given that uh, the updates are happening so frequently? 
We do. In fact, we have internally uh, all of our product managers who own the features that we document are required to not only review the release notes every cycle, but they're required to sign off on them. So our writers approach all of the product managers with the release notes and they're finalized and they have, I think, a week it is to get all the feedback they need from product managers. Uh, and when the product managers are satisfied with that content, they sign off on it, knowing that their name is attributed to the fact that this content's going out the door and they have reviewed it. Uh, that's probably the most stringent form of review that we have for our content. But of course, we also have a number of editorial processes. We have everything from a UI text review process where uh, this would probably be interesting to listeners is that instead of just one writer determining what should appear on the screen on Salesforce, each string of text that appears has gone through about four different people for review and often in meetings where writers will hash out what they think is a better suggestion for the user interface text and perhaps what the writer brought to the team. And it's in no way to... Uh, I would say criticize the writer who's bringing forth their text, but the idea is the more eyes and the more review that we have on this content, the better quality it's going to be once it reaches customers and the better experience customers will have. Super. Um, so uh, I think you did mention that uh, the quality of your documentation is determined by the number of support tickets that uh, you get or support calls you get. So is that the only metric you use to measure your do- the quality of your documentation? No, you know, I'm not an experience with the doc metrics here at Salesforce, but I do know that we have a variety of metrics like other shops have, whether it be page views, whether it be things that are posted on the Salesforce success community, or whether there's people that are tweeting their commentary about the content. So we take all of that into consideration about where customers are giving their feedback, and we try to correlate it across many different channels and try to look at our metrics from all kinds of different vantage points. Mm-hmm. Super. Um, so any organic search traffic generated from your knowledge base at the moment? You know, that's a great question. I feel like metrics are kind of a little uh, magic. It's not always clear what is making the metrics. The causation is not always clear, but one of the things that is very um, useful, I think, to my team is that we do notice that if you were to Google any of the features that any of us are writing, more often than not, you will see a piece of Salesforce content come up that we wrote. So if you Google, I don't know, let's say Service Cloud, which is Salesforce's second largest product line, I believe that most of the content that comes up in relation to Service Cloud will be items related to the online help or trailhead or release notes or implementation guides. Of course, there's some marketing collateral that also comes up too, But usually with the search engine results, it's very high to see our content. And what's neat about that is it's showing that prospects also will find our content. So we're not writing just for customers in a post-sales world. We're writing for people that may be considering purchasing Salesforce. And they're seeing this content, which is available. They don't have to log in to see it. They don't even have to be a customer. If they just Google various features, they will get all the content that we write. And they can review it and make a business purchasing decision based on that content. Mm-hmm. Super. So, um, any particular article or category you uh, you you want to specify on this organic search um, traffic? 
I would specify Trailhead. It is something that Salesforce created a couple years ago, and it was quite a fascinating journey to watch this be so successful. Uh, we have millions of learners who are changing their lives and getting new occupations by getting a free education on Trailhead. And often, if there is some type of feature related to Salesforce, if one searches on it, they'll go to some of these Trailhead modules, which I think answer a lot of questions very concisely. Uh, very. Uh, enjoyable in, in a way that's enjoyable. I should mention there's Salesforce Landians, which are characters and personas that walk one through how to set something up, or you can see a fictional company try to implement something in relation to Salesforce with the Salesforce Landians. And a reader can better understand what these features do because they're watching a fictional company go through the implementation process themselves. And those have a a wonderful mix of graphics and videos and screenshots that give a nice picture and snapshot of some of these features where I think if people take a look at the help and other forms of content, which are great and answer questions immediately, they're probably not as entertaining in nature because they're not meant to be entertaining. They're meant to just answer the business questions. Whereas I think Trailhead offers an element of storytelling and entertainment that helps people absorb kind of this information in a way that maybe Uh, better suited uh, to learning. Super. Very nice, Kevin. So let's now um, move on to the rapid fire round. Um, So you did answer this, but who have you learned the most about documentation from in your career? Well, I originally mentioned my aunt because she got me into the the career process, but I would say Andrea Lezek, who is now a COO at Salesforce. And what I learned from her was just rigorous QA. In the early days of the documentation team, we had something called the Lezek method where we all did blitzes. And what blitzes are were doc blitzes where we would get a variety of people from around the organization into rooms and they would QA our content just as you probably have heard of these kind of QA blitzes happening with software development where mm-hmm. people try to break the system, you could say. Yeah. <laughs> in, these, in these doc blitzes, we would try to break the documentation. We would look for where it's inaccurate, where it's confusing, where it doesn't help customers. And this kind of rigorous QA process, I think, showed me the importance of how QA is something that is so critical to the customer experience. If we don't get it right when it goes out the door and a customer is confused and then they go to our content and they're confused because of our content, then we're going to lose the customer. And in a SaaS model, you, of course, as you know, you don't want to have them not renew their subscriptions. So we have to be very rigorous with content and its quality to make sure that customers are happy and that they'll renew their subscriptions. And Andrea Lozek taught me so much about QA and quality and the importance of that. Fantastic. So uh, any documentation related resource you recently consumed you would like to share share with us? Sure. I've been reading a lot more about marketing lately because as I've mentioned that these lines between marketing and technical communication or post sales is blurring. I think the Marcom and the tech comms of the world and the teams are coming together and those silos are being bridged. And so I've been reading a lot of Seth Godin recently, who, of course, to those in marketing, that's a very, <laughs> a very prominent figure. And I've been uh, listening uh, to uh, an audio book, his book, This is Marketing, which I think does a wonderful summary of what marketing is, how it's uh, available to help serve niche audiences, to how to create content that piques people's interest to help solve problems for them. And not in any kind of slick way, but more of just a useful service oriented way. And I think that uh, if more people in our post sales uh, writing profession look more at 
some of what our marketing cohorts are doing, we might create some really interesting new forms of content that we can't even envision at the moment, but would be really useful, uh, add an element of helpfulness as well as entertainment that would help more businesses succeed with their content and content experience. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I know when you were in your 2020s, you looked up to your aunt and uh, what is that one piece of documentation related advice you would give to your 20 year old self? I would say experiment. I think there hasn't been enough experimentation in the post-sales content world. And one thing that happened years ago at Salesforce was there was some talk about creating a comic book in relation to using Salesforce. And a lot of people on our team were thinking a comic book. Like we write online help. We write knowledge base articles. We write implementation guides, a comic (laughs) book. Who would want to read a comic book about Salesforce? And there was a draft that was created People enjoyed it, but I think there was some fear of the risk of putting out this comic book thinking it might tarnish our brand or it might be too silly or not really matching Salesforce's persona, and Mm -hmm. we we never released it. And the funny and ironic thing is is that there was a customer who, um, I can't remember if it was a couple years ago, but released a Salesforce comic book, and it was really successful, and a lot of people (laughs) loved it, and they loved reading it, things of that nature. And I, I think for younger content creators, younger technical writers should think more in taking risks, more of trying to push the envelope just a little more to see what can be possible with content. And I would also recommend that younger technical writers um, don't worry about asking what they perceive as stupid questions, because I can't tell you as a younger writer, I was scared and I wouldn't ask the team certain questions thinking that they'd think I was dumb and I didn't want to look dumb. But these days, I really don't care if I look dumb because I can't tell you how many times I have asked what I think are stupid questions or I've seen other writers on my team ask what they think are stupid questions only to shift the entire direction of the feature or problem because mm-hmm. no one else thought to ask that particular question. Yeah. So those would be the two forms of advice that I would give. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I really like the idea of comic books anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Super. So I think, Kevin, that was absolutely uh, a stunning um, um, podcast with you. So thank you for sharing some of your unique experiences and your journey. So I would like to quickly highlight some of the points that you spoke with us today in the last um, uh, 30 minutes or so. So, of course, you come with 20 years of experience and I'm sure you have lots more to share with this. But uh, what I really like is the variety of documents you work within Salesforce and um, the teams that you interact uh, and with the daily meetings with various teams, giving your inputs to them, which, as you rightly said, have changed the way, uh, the direction of certain features in the tool. And um, towards the end, uh, I completely agree with your point that QA does not only apply to software development. It is equally applicable to documentation because in SaaS business or in any business, equal weightage should be given to documentation because that's the first place customers go and look for when they are in trouble. Yeah. So do you want to add anything more to this uh, conversation, Kevin? Uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation, Gauri, and I've really loved this opportunity to chat with you. And I think it's been fantastic. And um, I'd love it sometime to pick your brain and to learn what kinds of content you're creating and what you're doing out in the world for your customers. All right. Super. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Have a good day. Yeah. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Please head to iTunes, rate, and provide honest feedback on the podcast. See you next week.